Let's open the word of the Lord. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And then we're going to go to Matthew 19, 26. Hebrews 11, chapter 1. Then Matthew 19, 26. I'm going to continue a series that I've been sharing, guarding your precious faith. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. We all should know that one by heart. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And then Matthew 19, 26 says, But Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Say that with me. Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Amen. You may take a seat. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, our faith increases by your word. Our confidence, our joy, our peace increases as we hear and study your word, as we meditate on your word, Lord God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord God, for the privilege of your word. Today, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would lead us to that which you would bring us to, Lord God, that place that would help us to grow, that place, Lord God, that would help us to realize the things that we need to remove out of our lives, out of our thinking, out of our mindsets, and embrace what you are doing in this day. Thank you, my God. We pray it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we do give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. Amen and amen. Praise God. One of the things I'm doing right now is I'm partnering with God's Word, and some of you are working with me. I appreciate it more than words could say. The Lord spoke to us and said that there will be thousands that we would be ministering to via internet, right? Amen. We heard it last week, and so that's a word uh, of the Lord that we are partnering with. And the thing with the prophetic is that you have to partner with it. Too many people think that God is an um, ATM machine, that, you know, all you need to do is pray, and then things will automatically happen by osmosis. It's not the way it works. What happens is he gives us seed in this earth realm. He doesn't give us the finished product. He never does. He always gives us a seed. And when we work with the seed, then what happens is we cultivate it and it births in this earth realm. Your seed might be um, a word of counsel. Your seed might be um, something that you could give tangibly to somebody else. For example, go to the dollar store and get some, I don't know, toothpaste. That can be a seed to somebody that doesn't even know you. But God knows that you sowed it. And listen to me at this point. The world is caught up with this thing that I'm doing something. Is anybody watching? That's not the way the kingdom of God operates. Think about the seed that you sow into the ground as a farmer. How many people go underground and take a look at the seed doing its thing? What happens is it forms, it goes through a metamorphosis in dark places. And what we don't realize, because we're so caught up with the worldly thinking, is that we think that somebody has to see what we're doing in order for us to get our harvest. Want me to say that again? I'm flowing here. Sometimes I'm saying something that's coming as a download. So, yeah, sometimes it is. You don't even realize it's an actual download. So what happens is we're so cognizant of people around us. What do you think? Did I do well? Do you like what I'm doing? You know, am I part of the team now that we miss out on the fact that seeds are not sown to be seen? That was a Twitter moment. You missed it. You just missed it. You just missed it. Seeds are not sown to be seen. Seeds are sown to go through a metamorphosis, to, to go through a change, to be activated. When you sow a seed in faith, understanding and knowing the heart of God and understanding and knowing the principles of God's kingdom, when you sow a seed, you know that you know that you know that whether man accepts it or not, you're going to get fruit from it. You're going to get a harvest. It's going to come forth. It has to. 
because the law of seed time and harvest is alive. It's effective right now. We say in Spanish, está vigente. It is active in the earth realm. That's why you can have godless businessmen doing great business and making billions. Because it rains on the just and on the unjust. You have the person of Jesus that leads you to salvation. You have the principles of Jesus that help you in this earth realm to be able to do all that God called you to do. So that's why it's important that I'm sharing, I'm taking my time, I'm watering your faith, I'm challenging your faith, I'm calling you to come higher in your faith because there are things that have affected so many people in the inner city, uh, circumstances, things that families have told you, things that uh, your friends at school have told you that have brought you down. And yet God is saying, I want to take you out of that because I want to take you higher. But every time you go higher, or I try to take you higher, your mindset brings you back to that same place. That is why, listen to this, that is why that when Peter lost his hope, when Jesus died on the cross, Peter went back to the very thing that he was doing before. You didn't get that. You did not get that. If you understood that principle, you would never allow the enemy to take you back to that old place. Because you're a new creation. Hallelujah. Everything is new. Everything is new. Everything is new. In Christ, everything is new. Tell your neighbor, everything is new in Christ. Hallelujah. When we decide to trust God, when we decide to follow God, when we decide to go into God's Word and partner with the Word, we take our future away from the statistics that we've seen out there. Oh, yeah, all you people are going to end up the same way. Your daddy was that, your mommy was that, granddaddy and grandmommy was that. I don't care what they say. I'm not going to be submitted to those statistics anymore because I am submitted to the Word of God. And everything is new. But Jesus made it very clear also in Mark 9, 23, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. What are you believing for? I remember one time I was four days away from a bankruptcy. Not a bankruptcy, but losing a home. That better said. And I remember uh, we, we got a guy that was going to take it. It was a short sale. And for me, that was good because I made a bad deal. I bought uh, during those years where it was 13.5%. I don't know if you remember that. And the mortgage was much too high, too high and the house wasn't worth it. I was in my 20s. I was ignorant. Uh, and somebody really took me. And uh, so after three years, I was like this. And I couldn't afford it. And so a person came. He was going to buy it. We went into contract. Everything's fine. Three days before, the guy pulls out. The guy pulled out on me. So that left me in a lurch. Because if we didn't do the deal, that's it. I was done for. I was going to lose a home, lose my credit, and everything that I had worked for. And I remember I was in my living room. I was all alone. And suddenly, I don't know, out of nowhere, I just, it's almost like I was mantled by a spirit of faith. I just felt a mantling of God. And I just started declaring right there, right in my room. If you would have seen me, you thought I was crazy, man. I said, in the name of Jesus, this sale will go forth. We will have a buyer and we'll close at the proper time. And I knew that was impossible in the natural because it takes time to get a buyer. And it takes about, I don't know, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks for you to be able to vet that individual. You have to check their credit. And there's a lot of processes that go uh, in order to close a home. And meanwhile, it had to close like three days later. Otherwise, I would have lost everything. But I was declaring there, and I just felt such a confidence. And I, after I made those declarations, and, I, and I, I just felt confident, and I just shared it, suddenly I felt peace. And I said, all right. Within an hour, I got a call. Within an hour, the lady called me. The real estate says, I don't know how this happened. There's a person who wants to buy your house, and he has cash. Amen. Now, listen to me. This is very rare. Most people, when they buy a home, they need help of a bank. They'll put a down payment, but they really need a mortgage. But this man came in, he had cash, and he wanted my house, and he wanted to close right away. So needless to say, I'm all alone. Hey, man, come on, you can praise him. Praise God. If you could believe, all things are possible to them who believe. Hallelujah. And I don't know how he's going to turn it around. I don't know how he's going to work it out for you. I just know that God's not locked in to our limits. We're the ones many times that lock God in.
Hallelujah. And like in the same way, I've experienced different things throughout my life and my walk with Christ of over, I don't know, 45 years now. I've seen the hand of God move in such supernatural ways that right now when I get to a point where I say, you know, I'm out of options here. Now I don't freak out as much as I used to freak out before. <laughs> he thought I, was, I don't freak out. No, I still go through the challenges. I still go through the worries at the moment. I go, I don't see it. These numbers aren't adding up, right? And then I realize, but God. God can turn it around. God could do something here. I don't know the many or the myriad ways that God can move. I just know that he has another way that I am not aware of yet. So my task here is not so much uh, to tell God, God, we're out of options. My God is just to trust him because he has the options. To believe him for something that a man would say is impossible. But when things are impossible here in the earth realm, God says all things are possible to him who believes. Hallelujah. Amen. Then we spoke about the principle that when you decide to trust God and believe God in his word, and God will give you that, and God will give you abundance in that. Other people will choose not to believe it, and they will get less, or whatever they have will be taken away. But if you choose to believe God, there are people that don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit today. And I respect them, I appreciate them, but they don't have that benefit of the kingdom of God. They don't have that benefit of the Scripture, right? So what, ha what ends up happening is whatever even they have in that area is gone. But we believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We believe what the Word of God says, and God will give us more and more, and we will have abundance in that. So praise God for trusting God. Praise God for believing God. The next thing we said is that we all get a measure of faith. Remember that? And it's our responsibility to make that faith grow. God gives you the measure, but remember Jesus said to the, that group, you have no faith. Another group, he says, ye of little faith. And to that woman, he says, ye of great faith. Amen. See, so faith can grow. Faith can expand. And once it grows, it's hard for it to go back down. Because once you've seen something, once, once you've touched something, it's not impossible for you to go down. Because some people, by virtue of getting away or pulling away from the Lord, pulling away from fellowship, pulling away from their place, their set place in the kingdom, many of them lose out. Their, their faith starts wavering. And that's a dangerous place. You don't want to be wavering. Because wavering, the Bible says, you don't get any blessing. God can't work with a man that wavers. If you look at the book of James, chapter 1 and chapter 2, it talks about faith. It talks about wavering. It says, don't get into that place because you become like the sea. You know? When you're in the sea, what happens? You get tossed about, especially when it's a very rainy day. When it's, uh, you know, I was in one of those, I remember. I'm not going to share the story with you, but I was in the Norwegian dawn back when it, uh, you know, it got hit with that rogue wave. They call it a rogue wave. It wasn't a rogue wave. It was a storm. I know it because I looked at, you know, the, I, I went to the internet, and I always check the trip back home because if it's very choppy, I have to take a Dramamine or a Bonine. I recommend bonding, by the way. Dramamine leaves you like an airhead. You, you, you're, you're, you don't know where you're at. But bonding, you can survive. But, I mean, I've seen that. I said, this guy's taking us right into a storm. And that's exactly what they did. And then when the storm hit us and thrashed us about, and everything started breaking, all the fine china, you know, on the fifth floor, on those big ships, there's a lot of beautiful china. I would have told him, give it, give it to me before it breaks. Oh, they let all that stuff break. And then they say, oh, no, we got hit by a rogue wave. It was no rogue wave. They lied. They lied. And even the worst thing about it, they were rushing back to New York because that ship had to do a commercial. And with all people, with Trump. <laughs> they had to do a commercial on Sunday, so they had to get it back early. So this, this captain, he wanted to put us in danger just so he could get that thing back there. You know, so we, we had to go through the... Wow, I don't know what to call it. It was a storm. Let me put it this way. My room was on the 10th floor. It was flooded. It was flooded. Yeah, so that's, that's how nasty that thing was. So, amen. We go through stuff. Praise God. So our faith has to grow. And the thing about it is, like a muscle, your faith will not grow until you put pressure against it. So sometimes God puts you through circumstances and situations, not because he's forgotten about you but because he's strengthening you in one or two areas. 
And while you say, oh, God, why are you allowing me to go through this? God says, you have to go through that. You have to. Have you ever been to the doctor before? Anybody here been to the doctor? Has any of you ever received medicine in liquid form that is nasty? And yet that's what you have to drink down? Huh? Some of you absolutely hate it. You know, you'll put sugar in it, you'll put it in a drink or whatever it is. You'll hold up your nose and then drink it down real quick. Right? But you have to do it. It's good for you. But it's nasty. Same way. You have to go through things. For you, it feels nasty at the moment. Your problems, your issues are giving you, you know, agita right now. But yet, you're growing in the process. You're becoming stronger. You're learning how to trust God in some areas. How many of you just love trials and persecutions? Come on. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you raise your hand before I finish the, the statement. It's grievous to us at the moment, but later on, we appreciate it. We look back and say, thank you for the experience that I garnered, because if I would have never gone through that, I would have been ignorant about that situation. Hallelujah. Amen. The next thing is that we, it's our responsibility to renew our minds daily. Daily. There is somebody inside of you that talks to you all the time. It's called you. You talk to yourself all the time. You, you, you have thoughts that go, and it's automatic. You don't even have to ask for it. So can we turn on the radio in my mind now, and, you know, from 12 to 2? No, it's on all the time. So you have to listen to that, and you have to tweak that as needed. It's your responsibility to renew your mind or your mindsets, the way you respond or react to things. And the way to do that is to start taking in different information. And we know by the word of God, when we start uh, meditating on God's word, actually God told Joshua, if you meditate on my word day and night, you'll make your own way prosperous. I'm going to say that again. If you, like Joshua, meditate on God's word day and night, God said you will make your own way prosperous. Did you hear what I said? See, so we have the tools, the resources to make our way Bless you, Pastor. Prosperous. Thing is, we don't do it, most of us. Most of us, we'll get up. First thing we do, we go to our watches. You know, our watch today is a phone. Of course, it, it wakes us up. Then it brings music. Or you'll go to the news. Or you go to Facebook. You know what that is? Only Facebook people know what that is. That's scrolling. Yeah, that's how you scroll. And after a while, you're, you're, you're almost catatonic. You're like. And it's funny because it's the same three things over and over and over again. They did an algorithm thing now that all you do is see the same thing over and over. I know these things more because I'm using social media now. Because I'm partnering with God's word. And this week, we reached 2,000 people. Praise God. God said we would, be, we would minister to thousands, but we would have thousands of members even through the internet. I believe that. I believe it with all my heart. I have no doubt about it. How many of you are seeing some of my videos? You know how much time it takes to do that? You think it's easy? You think I just put on the phone and I say, okay, let, let me see what comes at the top of my head. No, you got to prepare these things. You got to plan them. Then afterwards, you have to, I don't know, to edit them. And I'm learning how to do these things. Thank God for this younger generation. They have to take me by the hand and teach me all this stuff. But I'm willing. The thing is, I'm willing. Let, let me, let me, I'm, I'm going to speak to somebody right now. You say, I can't do that. I'm not good with these things. Stop that nonsense. Because every time you say that, you're telling your brain that you're dumb. So your brain will act dumb. The minute you try it, it'll give you a brain fog. That's, that, that, you're not helping yourself. You need to open up your mind. You need to release your mind to learn. Your, your brain, your mind is the greatest thing in this earth. What an amazing creation. What was that? You have to have a teachable spirit. You have to have a teachable mind. But the problem is your mind is closed because you tell it you can't learn. That's not good. I'm not good at that. I'm not good at that. Stop that nonsense. You have the mind of Christ. 
Most people, they finally realize that when they're 60 and 70, they go, oh, man, I wish I would have learned that when I was 30. Well, some of you are 20 now, some of you in your 30s. So stop that nonsense and get with the learning. Amen. And understand you could do all things through Christ who strengthened you, especially if it relates to the call of God in your life. For me, part of my call is to reach out to people that I don't even know. In the old days, one time here, we spent $2,000, $2,000 to send out advertisement in our entire neighborhood. It went out five miles. Uh, we sent a card inviting them to our Christmas program. We even got in trouble because we were renting a, in a school, renting the auditorium. And so I made a nice flyer, and all of us pitched in, and we sent out 5,000 flyers. And... Um, it was great. It was a great experience. We did it together, and a great flyer, too. So Sunday, I get to church, and I'm, you know, I'm expecting. I'm going to see uh, people that I didn't see, and we did. We had great success. It was, it was a beautiful service. We had over 200 and something people. It was really, really precious. But guess who's there? The principal. And the principal called me to the office. <laughs> Ironic, isn't that? The principal called me to the office. I haven't been called to the office since my high school days. He calls me to the office. And I'm, I go there and I, I say, yes, sir, what's, what's going on? He goes, you know, it's funny. I'm in my house and suddenly I had a call from one of my teachers. He says, so, the school is having a Christmas service, aren't we? She got what? The advertisement. The whole community got the advertisement. The mothers, the fathers got the advertisement that the school was having a Christmas service. I forgot to put down. Not that I forgot. I didn't know. Not endorsed by the Board of Education. I got him in so much trouble. They threatened to sue the school because of this. So he had to apologize all of his people, the community people, the community board, the lawyers, the people that are not Christian, that don't appreciate when you use uh, government stuff. So, but the point is, is that in the old days, we had to pay a lot of money just for one advertisement, for one day, $2,000. I just finished reaching 2,000 people. How much did I pay? Nothing. See? So, for us, reaching 2,000 people and sharing the love of God, the grace of God, the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that is an absolute amazing victory. Hallelujah. Some of you have been emailing me back and thanking me for the thoughts, and I appreciate that because it allows me to know that somebody's getting it. Now, I know they're getting it, but what blew me away last week, Julio told me that we have over 600 people on the list. And this is not 600, I guess, people that don't know us, I mean, brand new. No, there's 600 people that in some way, shape, or other have already interfaced with us. So that is what you call a warm market, or it's somebody that will receive the email. They won't kick it to the curb. They won't put, put me on, what do you call that thing again? Spam. Spam, yeah, yeah, that's it. They won't put me on spam. So I got 600 people that won't put us on spam. Isn't that cool? Right? But that's just today. What was that? 600 followers. That's what you would call it in, in Facebook. That they actively read the content. You could not, we could not afford that in the old days. There are TV programs that pay hundreds of thousands a month and all they have is 600 followers. Because even though they're on TV, it's like 3 in the morning and everybody's asleep. I don't want to be a TV, on TV at 3 in the morning. I want to be in TV at 7 at night, 8 at night, prime time. I want to put a 30-second ad during the Super Bowl. That's what I want to do. Because that's when people will, you know, that's when you get millions, right? But guess what? Through the Internet, this local church could reach as many people as the Super Bowl. Some of you said amen, other people said no. But come on, Pastor, now you're exaggerating. I am not exaggerating. One viral saying, one viral picture, suddenly 100 million people see it. Yeah, and, and we're just talking about the United States. 
So what, what we're saying is as we partner with the will of God, God will not answer all your desires per se, but he will always respond to his word. He'll always respond to his promises. So when we partner with God, instead of saying, God, bless everything I'm doing, why don't you say, God, what are you doing? Let me get into what you're blessing. Amen? Amen? Praise God. So let me go down now to today's thought. I wanted to give you a thought so that you can add it, you can build. I, I want to build line upon line, precept upon precept. So my thought today is we have to raise our expectation level. We have to raise our expectation level. Our, our expectation is too low. And I know it because when I put a little pressure on you guys, you get nervous. See, because your expectation level is here. And God wants our expectation here. See, God said, start in your Jerusalem, right? And then stay there and move in and pitch a tent, right? That's what it says. Go into all of Jerusalem and pitch a tent and move in, right? Right? So then what does it say? Go into Jerusalem, and then what? Then it says go to Judea. So in other words, don't stay in the same place. Go into the next town, right? So, so in, the, in the next town, that's when you pitch your tent, right? So what, then what does it say? Then it says go into Samaria. Some theologians have said that's the place where you're uncomfortable. Because the Jews and the Samaritans didn't get along, right? But yet God was sending them not only to Jerusalem where they were comfortable. That was their indigenous folk. That was this, their culture. They knew that. But God was saying, after a while, you're going to end up. You're going to have to go through and into Samaria too. The antagonizers. Well, that's a good word. That's, yeah, because sometimes you go. You, you, you want to finish? Praise? No. 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 praise God. He'll pick it up right from there. I know he will. But true, it's, it's so interesting. God doesn't, God doesn't say, listen, that's where you need to stay. Come on, don't, don't, don't get uh, too, I don't know, excited. Stay right there. No, you know who says that? The people, your friends, your family members. And they'll say it over and over and over again. And if you dare to disagree with them and go higher, they'll get angry at you. They'll get upset at you. But I, I want to set you free from that. You know why they get angry? It's because they don't understand where God's taking you. It's, it's not that they're trying to hurt you. It's that they're concerned for you, and they themselves don't have the faith to see you there. So you have to have enough faith for yourself to see you up there. We need to raise our expectation level. Say to your neighbor, you need to raise your expectation level. Hallelujah. We need to understand this. Because when we were born again, our spirits were reborn, as per John 3. But the mind needs to be renewed. And that's why many of us, uh, you know, we go to church, but we still have uh, some issues we're struggling with. And that's okay, but we can't stay there. God always calls us to go higher, to grow. Anything that God creates, you notice, it grows. He creates a plant. It becomes a tree, and it bears fruit, and it multiplies. When he created us, he said, be fruitful and multiply. We're not supposed to stay in the same place. Say to your neighbor, you're supposed to be better next year. Be better. Hallelujah. Amen. See, renewing the mind is not going to happen because somebody laid hands on you. You can't come up here and say, oh, pray for me that my mind will be renewed. And I'll say, amen, in Jesus' name, Holy Ghost, I pray. Uh, let your glory fall upon this person. Uh, when they come from this place today and they go back home, their mind uh, will be renewed. Uh, and glory to God. Uh, and they'll have a, a, a master's degree in their mind. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I got into my religious mode. I'm just trying to make a point. The point is, yeah, I could actually preach that way, you know. I was raised in that. That's, that's normal to me. It's, that's normal to me. What I'm doing, I'm getting excited. <laughs> so, that's, that, that's a button. You get me in, the, you get me in those services. After a while, I'm, I'm in the front like the, the, the other guys that were dancing earlier. It's a flow, man. But I have to slow down because, see, the Lord showed me that it doesn't make a difference if I'm all the way up here. I'm not saying I am. I'm on my way. But if I'm here and you guys are here and I don't take you with me, that's a sin. So I have to slow down and I have to make sure we all get this thing before we 
When I go to the cruise, right, there's about 3,000 people there. We all have to fill out the same paperwork. They won't take off until everybody fills out the paperwork. And that's where God wants us. He wants us going as a family. The worst thing in the world is when the captain goes, takes the hill, raises the flag, and he looks back, everybody's dead. That's the worst thing in the world. No, no, God wants us all to come in. Praise God. So we have to have our mind renewed, not just as individuals, but as a church family. Because your greatness in the kingdom of God is, connect, is connected to the body. See, there's, there's a, a, an American gospel that's only about you. Oh, God wants to bless you. You came to the right place because God's going to prosper you. Have you heard that before? Praise the Lord. God bless you. Victoria and I love you. and It's going to be a great day for you. We love you. Yeah, there's a lot of nice ice cream preaching out there. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes it will edify you. He's an encourager. Right, right. That's what I mean, you know. But we need our mind renewed today because if you don't come in with a renewed mind, the enemy is going to be able to whomp you. You need your mind renewed. Say to your neighbor, we need our minds renewed. And it's in the word of God. Amen. It's not just ooey-gooey stuff. It's the word of God. That's what's going to make you prosperous. And that word prosperous doesn't mean five Mercedes Benz. It means that you'll be able to stand strong in the midst of the trials, in the midst of the tribulations, and you'll be able to continue to bear fruit unto God. Great fruit unto God. So, and the thing is, we have to do it every day because there's some today that you look and you say, wasn't it that guy, wasn't he a pastor? Wasn't he a minister a couple of years ago? And look at the way he's at now. See, if we stop seeking God, if we stop studying his word, if we stop uh, allowing the presence of God to be the number one guest in our home, in other words, daily, the enemy could come in. There's some breach. There's, there's, there's some open door that the enemy could come in. We have to seek God. And I can't emphasize this enough because too many American Christians only want a quick prayer. Man, I can't wait till Sunday. Why? Man, the pastor's got to pray for me. I, got an, I have an issue. Well, why don't you pray for yourself? It's three or four days. You know how much could happen in the midst of those days? My God. So we are growing to the degree that we're consistently in the Word of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, it says, uh, actually I read from verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. These are inculcated mindsets that limit folk, that limit people. The devil is the God of this world. And there are thoughts that are constantly being sent out by TV, by radio, uh, the internet, uh, movies, uh, even entertainment. And we have to be very careful because they are strongholds. And it says, casting down imaginations, uh, mindsets, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought, every thought, every thought. You hear, you hear that? Every thought to the obedience of Christ. So before we got saved, we had mindsets, strongholds, lack, hopelessness, despair, worry, lust, power, greed, all these things. And that flows. You see it happening in our nation. You see it in the movies. You see it in government. You see it in politics. The mindsets that are inculcated. They're, they're so strongly inculcated that people just believe it. And they'll fight you on it. They'll get violent with you on it if you don't agree with them. Right now, there's a strong move in this nation to take it to a place where it's totally anti-God. And it's a strong thrust. And if you try to pull it back, back to at least neutral, they will call you a bigot. They will call you a racist. They will persecute you. They will try to get you fired. 
They will go right in front of the church and, you know, 50, 100, 200 people and, and, and start to scream at the church and spit on you. See, these are mindsets. They actually believe that stuff. It's not an act for most of them. They really believe it. Remember Saul of Tarsus? Saul of Tarsus really believed what he was doing. And Stephen was killed in that process. James was killed by the sword. But then when God opened up his eyes, the scales were taken away from his eyes. He said, oh my God, what have I been doing? What have I done? This man, Saul, became the great apostle, Paul. He said, I'm the least worthy. I'm the least worthy because I persecuted the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. But, you know, he was honest. He thought he was honoring God by his actions. So we need to understand that is alive. So when we come to church, our spirit man gets saved, but our mind needs to be renewed. That's why you constantly have to work on your faith. Constantly. If we do not cast down these thoughts, the flesh will rule again. The flesh will take you back to where you were before. Whatever you got out of, the flesh will bring you right back. I've seen that in many Christians' lives. They come, they spend some time in the Lord, and afterwards they go back into the world. What do they do? They go back to the same mess. The scripture says the dog goes back to his own vomit. What a terrible saying. But yet it's a powerful saying. That's what happens with us. We go back. So my main point then is, do you really believe the word of God? No, think about it. Don't, don't just say yes too quickly. Do you really believe the word of God? Is the word of God to you the word of Almighty God? Or is it just a good book? Is it just something to follow conveniently? Are you committed to it or are you just a convenience Christian? There are many convenience Christians. They're there in the good times, but you know the real Christians in the bad times. Because they're, the they're the ones that stick with it no matter what. The committed ones are the ones that have a revelation of who God is, have a revelation of who the Lord Jesus Christ is. They have a revelation of what it is to be separated eternally from Almighty God. When you preach the gospel, most of us preach a convenient gospel. So what happens is people say, well, this is not convenient for me right now. Think about it this way. You're in a plane, 30,000 feet. The stewardess goes up to you and says, here, I want to give you this. It's a parachute. If you wear it, it'll make your life better. If you wear it, it'll help you. It really will. Person puts it on. You know those seats are very tight, right? Anybody been in a plane lately? When I was a kid, you had some space in them things. But now, I don't know, they're making them tighter and tighter and tighter. It's almost like you got to sit like this. Well, the stewardess is telling you, put on this parachute. It's going to make your life better. Right? You're going to have fun. So I put it on this tight place. So I'm like this now. It's cumbersome. It's heavy. Making my back sweat. So I go to him. With all due respect, I'm taking this off and I'm giving it back to you because to me, this is not convenience. So, but really you should. It's going to make you uh, better. It's going to... Sorry. Don't appreciate it. Scenario A. Let me give you scenario B. 30,000 feet. You're in a plane. Stewardess comes up to you. Put this on. Why? Looks inconvenient to me. Because captain just said that we're going to go down. But if you put it on, when we open up the door, you can throw yourself out. You'll survive. Plane's going down in 15 minutes. It's up to you. You want it? Yes or no? Give me this thing. Put it on. I don't care if I have to sit like this. I don't care if the plane is going like this. I'm going to keep that thing on, and I'm going to hold on to it for dear life. Because I know it's going to save my life. It's going to save me and keep me from the torment that's about to happen, right? Same thing. When we preach a convenient gospel, people put it on, take it off, whenever they want to. But when you tell them, listen, if you receive Jesus Christ, suddenly you now get taken away from the power of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son. Those that don't know the Lord are not going to go to heaven. They're going to go to hell. So if you put this on, 
put on Christ. If you repent, receive Jesus, when you go before Christ, and everybody, the Bible says that everyone shall bow before Christ. When you go before Christ and you bow to say, come with me, you're one of mine. When I got saved in the 70s, that's how they preached. Amado hermano, tú tienes que venir a Cristo. Tienes que venir a Cristo ahora. Porque el diablo te va a llevar si tú no vienes a Cristo. How many of you remember those days? I mean, who remember? Translated means you're going to come to Christ now because if you don't, the devil's going to take you. You're going to go to hell and you're going to burn forever. And don't get me wrong. Let me tell you something. I went to the altar. It was, a, it was a campaign of three days. I went to the altar the first night. I went to the altar the second night. And I went unto the altar the third night. And ever since then, I've been, oh God, don't ever leave me. Don't let the Holy Spirit leave me. I need you more than anything. I always want to be with you forever. This is not a convenience thing. It doesn't make a difference what people say about me. They might criticize me. They might spit me. But it doesn't make a difference. I'm going to hang on for dear life. Because uh, my only hope uh, is Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. That was good. I felt that. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah! Amen! Praise God. So, Amen! Glory to God. So, we have to raise up our level of expectation. But the first thing is, you have to, I mean, you have to Get it right with God. You can't be a convenience Christian. You have to be a committed Christian. Come hell or high water, I'm serving him. It doesn't make a difference what happens. I'm going to serve him with all my heart. Because I know he has the best for me. Amen. Glory to God. So, without faith it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God... Must. Scripture says must. Say with me must. must. What does must mean? Has to be. Huh? Must. Hmm? Does, it, does that infer that it's not an option? Right? So it says there, without faith it's impossible to please him. We have to have faith to please God. You can't be a Christian and not have faith. You can't be a Christian and always be complaining that things are not going to happen because, you know, he's not listening and all that. That's not faith. But it says, he who comes to God must believe that he is. See, we first need to believe God. We have just to know that we know that we know that he exists, that he's real. You can't look at the good book, the Bible, as a history book. You have to see it as the, the word of the living God, the logos of God. And then it says here, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now this is where I'm going in the next 10 minutes. God is a rewarder. He loves blessing his people. He's a good and heavenly father. Many people to this day are afraid of expecting anything from their heavenly father because they think it's wrong to expect anything from him. I came from a church that if you ask God for anything that was too big according to their standards, that was a sin. It's okay to ask God for big things. It's okay to ask God for the nations. Jesus said in his, the last will and testament, the last thing he said before he went up to heaven, right? He said, go to all the earth, disciple all the nations, right? Go to where? Begin your Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the world, right? That's a big vision. So we're reaching Soundview right now. Is that a big vision? Yes, no, maybe so. That's Jerusalem. Thank you. It's big because it's part of the vision. 
It's our Jerusalem, but we're not supposed to stay there. See, and each, each and every one of us have something to add to that. You were not created like me. You can't preach like me. You have to preach your own way. Why do you think when Nate gets up there and he preaches, it doesn't look at all like me? Because that's the way it's supposed to be. When Tony preaches, he, he preaches different than I do. Because that's the way it's supposed to be. So what happens is, and this is where the individual responsibility comes in, God holds you responsible for what he placed in you. And it grieves him when we neglect God and take what he gave us, which is for the nations, and we heap it upon ourselves. You're very important. You're very vital. So when you engage your gift so that somebody else can be blessed, it doesn't make a difference what it is. God is pleased with you, and he'll work with you, and he'll work through you. Look at the deacon. Deacon Stephen, right? He went, and what, 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 start, what does God start doing through him? God used him mightily. It's just a deacon, just a deacon. What are you talking about? Have you read the story of, of that man of God? What God did through him? Touched the city. It doesn't make a difference the title you have. It's not your ability. It's your veil ability. Because there are people that are gifted and they're doing nothing with their giftings. And other people which are not gifted according to the standards of the world, but yet they do great things for God. And they're known and they're recognized in the heavenly realms. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And I know that for a fact because, I mean, I've experienced it personally where people have recognized the anointing on me. But look at Scripture. There was these seven sons of Sceva going around casting out devils, or at least trying to. And so they try to cast this devil out of a man, and that man, uh, or rather the demons, and, and says, um, who are you guys? So we cast you out in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. And so the devils tell him, who are you? We know who Jesus is. And we know who Paul is. But who are you? So I mean, you know, people are demon-possessed. They're very demon-possessed. They're very strong. That man jumped on them, and they had to run away. They were beat up because they didn't have the authority. They were not recognized. The ones that are recognized in the heavenly realms. What did Jesus say about his family? My family are those that my sons, no, no, my brothers and sisters, and my family are those that do the will of my Father who is in heaven. So when we decide to get real with this, let me tell you, wherever you go, you'll be recognized. And you'll be either loved or hated because of the anointing that you carry. Hallelujah. So we need to expect more because God wants to bring us more, but we are, uh, the mindsets on us are stopping us from receiving the very things we need for ministry, the very things we need to bless the community, the very things we need to... I mean, for me, it's sad. I grieve many times. Because we have a double standard in this, in this earth realm. You know, you get these ungodly men and women with billions of dollars. And they decide. They get to decide how they're going to handle the money. How to give it. You know why? Because they own it. They possess it. Right? You know, look at Facebook right now. Young man. Billionaire. He gets to decide what I put on, on um, Facebook. There are people right now that are using Facebook to preach that they censor them. Now, right now. Because he gets to decide. Because he owns it. TV programs, they get to decide what we're able to share. Movie stars. Most of the Christian movie stars, they're marginalized. They can work in Hallmark. They can work in some Class B movies. But they won't give them the A level. I'd love to see what's going to happen with, with this guy that did the Jurassic series. Chris, what's his name? Pratt. I'd like to see what's going to happen with him. Because he just finished coming out. 
And he just finished saying, you know, God is good. And they, it was, I mean, he was talking to young people, and it went on TV, and it went viral. See what I mean about that viral thing? And he started praising God, and he started honoring God. He's going to get blowback on that. But I pray that God gives him strength, and, and God strengthen his backbone. That he said, I don't care what you say. I'm going to talk about God. I'm going to honor God in my craft. I'm, I'm going to do the will of God, even in this area that God has made me responsible for. God has given them influence. How many of our kids that started in church, beautiful voice, beautiful words, end up in the world? Oh, my God. It grieves me that we have to ask permission to godless people to do the things that we need to do. I believe in this day that God wants to raise a group of people that aren't hungry for filthy lucre. They aren't hungry for mammon, but they just know they have a task to do. How do you take a region? How do you bring it back to Almighty God? You have to get in the influence of it. You can't stay small. If I go right now to, to uh, Governor Cuomo, I say, Governor Cuomo, I need a meeting with you. You know what he's going to say to me? What do you think he'll say to me? Exactly. Oh, today you're batting 100. He won't say a thing to me because I'm not even going to get into the office because I don't have that level of influence. But if I can have a million votes in my hand, Governor, I need to see you. I have a million votes in my hand. And we could put you in office again or we could take you out. Not only would I get a meeting, I'll get some nice water, maybe a lunch out of it, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm telling you, I know how this thing works. So it's, I, it, it saddens me when the church doesn't have a voice in a community. We have to have that voice. We need to think higher. We're comfortable with just going to church on Sundays, singing our three songs, receiving our little offering, doing our little announcements, preach our little preachings. And we all go home. We thought we'd done the will of the Lord. You didn't do the will of the Lord. You came to the church to receive from God so you could give throughout the week. To, to, to be uh, encouraged and uplifted, to receive instruction. The will of God is done Monday through Saturday. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Jesus, he, he, he encouraged us to believe for big things. Think about what the scripture says. Now, forget about re what religion says. Think about what, what the word says. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, shall men give unto your bosom. He was talking earlier about judging. Don't judge, and you yourself shall not be judged. And given, it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So it's not specifically about money that he's talking about. He's talking about anything we give, it will be given back to us. So if we have horrible attitudes, if we move in fear, if we move in lack, we're going to get more of that. Oh, you didn't get me. I, I think I did too much, uh, gave you too many principles today. The very things we sow are the things that we're going to reap in greater quantities. But there's, there's a blessing there inherent to the text. It says, if we give, we shall, be, we shall receive more of that. So then, if it's up to me, and I want more of something, what do I need to give? A seed of that. If I want friends, I need to be very friendly. No, no, but you know, you're friendly with people and then they kick you to the curb. So what? Not everybody's going to kick you to the curb. There are others that are going to receive your friendship. Hallelujah. I do this all the time. I reach out to people I, and, and I'm friendly with them. I give them a genuine smile. You know when you smile, your brain thinks that something good is happening? Yeah, it does. Your emotions go in sync with the smile. Because your facial expressions and your hands. I, what do you think that when people talk, they're like this? Because your hands, your limbs are an extension of your thought process. That's how come when you see ladies upset. <laughs> and they're about ready to make their point with their husbands. <laughs> they're all over the place. <laughs> yeah, Uh-oh, I see the extension of her pain. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's the way it is. <clears throat> you know when a person's upset. You know when a person's happy, right? People of God, let me tell you, 
We've got so much to do in this season. But look what Jesus says. Given it shall be given to you. God says, bring the tithe to the storehouse. And that's it, right? That's all he said? No. And I will open up the windows of heaven and pour you such a blessing. Why would God, if he didn't expect us to have great expectation and great faith, why would he tempt us with that? That's a horrible thing to say if we're not supposed to expect great things from God. Bring the tithe to the storehouse. Make sure my house has food. And watch, I'm going to open up the windows of heaven for you and pour you out such a blessing that you will not have room enough to receive it. Why would God even say that if you're not supposed to expect big things from God? And then he says, I'll rebuke the devourer for you if you give to that which, which is important to me. Why would he say that if it's not true? Well, conversely, if it is true, why is the church saying it's bad then to ask God for big things? Or why does your emotions tell you, oh, that's not right. We shouldn't be talking about those things in church. When God himself, what about, what about in the book of Exodus, God told Moses, um, receive an offering from my people. Tell them to give me an offering. What was the offering for? For you theologians, what was the offering for? God told Moses, give me an offering to make the tabernacle. That's what the offering was for. But can't God just go, and the tabernacle show up? Of course he can. But he won't because he won't dishonor his word. Uh, okay, I'm not getting this. What do you mean he won't dishonor his word? Because in Genesis 1, he says, I make you responsible in this earth realm. You're my steward in this earth realm. Anything that was going to happen had to happen through a man because God said so because God created us for that very purpose. To give him praise and, and to, to help to subjugate, to, not subjugate to, but to bring dominion and order to this earth. And it's an extension. He said of this species, of us, he said, I make you in my image and my likeness. So we were a unique species that God created to be able to rule in this earth realm, to have dominion in this earth realm. So later on, when he needs his will in heaven is that a tabernacle be built so that he could dwell among them, he had to speak to a man that he created to, to create the actual tabernacle. What did he give man for the tabernacle? He gave him seed. What's a seed? Iron, ore, gold, silver, right? He gave that to us. Then he tells us, build it. And then he goes on to say, he says, watch this, watch this. He says, and I give you the picture, the diagram. It's the first engineer, right? The first designer. He says, this is how you're going to build it. And this is how much gold you need. This is how much silver you need. This is how much dried animal skins you're going to need. Wow. So he's still doing that today. He's telling us, he says, this is what I want for this community. Will you build it for me? Will you build it with me? Can I trust you? Because you're in charge of that area. He looks, his eye looks to and fro to see who he can trust. And if he doesn't find anybody, he'll wait an entire generation. He'll wait till the next generation because he's not in a rush. We're the ones that lose out. Uh, man, if you got anything, get this. That God will partner with those that are willing to work with him. Because all of us have that anointing and that gracing to be able to partner with God because he made us in his image and likeness. And so the man and woman that decides, okay, God, here I am, use me, says, oh, okay. So here's what I want for that region. We start hearing God in prayer. We start trusting God for big things. And he says, and if you bless my people, those that I love there, if you reach out to them, if you build my church in that region, I'll bless you. I'll prosper you. Don't tell me God doesn't prosper. Look, look at uh, Abram. Remember Abram? God told him, leave your place. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to, actually, look at the stars. Can you count them? Good, because that's how I'm going to give you a, a I'm going to give you a progeny that's going to be that large. And so you know what Abram did? He left his home, not knowing where he was going, but he trusted God. Later on, if you see the history, if you see the genealogy, that's the person he's calling me to just to confirm that, that what I'm saying is true. 
So the genealogy, or not genealogy, but in his life, you actually see Abraham was very rich in cattle, in, in resources. It was just part of the natural benefit that, that, that he had in his walk with God. Now, what about the young man Solomon? God shows up and says, what do you want? Solomon says, well, frankly, what I need is wisdom to, to lead your people. I'm young. I don't know what to do. He says, wow, since you asked for that, I'm going to give you that. But I'm also going to give you riches and glory. If it was bad, if it was evil, why did God give him such a bad thing? We need a mind change. We don't push ahead for more in, in such a way that can help others because we ourselves are stuck. We're in a position where we're stuck. We can't get ahead because somewhere in our thinking, we think we can't do more. It's a poverty mindset. It's a limit, some form of limit that was created by background, by family, but it's inculcated by a demonic presence because if we can get the resources, what are, gonna we, what are we gonna do with it? Just a question. What if God gave you 20 million right now? What, what are you gonna do with it? You have to have a plan with the resources. Yeah, most people won't know what to do with it. They'll lose it within five years. And that's, yeah, exactly. Why give it to them? Exactly. See, I told you you could finish preaching this message. You got to do plan, plan uh, part, part B of the message. Yeah, most people won't know what to do with the resource because they have no vision. Because they never dared to think for great things. Who here is going to build the next big school? Who here is going to build the next billion dollar company that's going to bring natural um, healing to, to, to the land? Who here is going to be the, the next doctor? Who here is going to be the next congressman? Can we dare to believe that? Who here is going to do the next show, the next show that's going to be a Christian-oriented show that can minister to the multitudes when they sit down on a Monday and they want to, I don't know, disconnect from their work for an hour or two, but get something uh, honorable and, and something clean? Who's going to be that person? There, there are no limits except the limits we impose on ourselves. But those that push for it will always get blowback. The first blowback is going to be right in your mind. It's going to be right in your soul. You're going to have the biggest fight with yourself when you dare to go higher, to, to, to build and to say, I'm going to partner with you, Almighty God. We're not going to stay in Jerusalem. We're going to go through Jerusalem. But after we finish Jerusalem, we're going to hit Judea. And after we hit Judea, then we're going to go to Samaria. And after we hit Samaria, we're going to hit the rest of the world because God is not satisfied until the world comes to saving faith in Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why are you sacrificing so much? Why are you going to school? I just saw that you graduated. Why? Why bother with all of that? It was such hard work. You have to go to night school. I know I did the same exact thing. But why did you do it? A wife, two kids, and a cat. <laughs> exactly. For me, it was a wife and three kids. Yeah, man, that was hard. And you opted for the yeah. We, we didn't have dogs or cats. We tried, but it didn't work for us. But the point is, is that you went because you have a bigger vision. Because what's going to happen in a couple of years is you're going to be very well to do. You're going to have more than enough, and that's going to bless your wife and kids. And what will some Christian come to you? Well, who do you think you are? You think you're Mr. Big Stuff? You're just in the flesh with all that money. You're supposed to be poor. You, you understand my point? It's a poverty mindset. But the point of the matter is, is that when we limit one thing, it limits everything. How many of you said this? Or how many of you heard somebody say this? I wish I had money. I'd bless that church. And you know, at the moment, they're sincere. My mother has told me on countless occasions. She says, Victor, el momento que yo me pegue, yo le voy a dar una ofrenda a la iglesia. Translated. Victor, the moment I hit the lotto, you're going to get your church. I'm still waiting. <laughs> it's been many years since she said that. Guess what? We got our building without. Because we dared to believe bigger. <laughs> it was a great thing to rent from places. Great thing to be in the school. 
We had to set up and break down every single service. We had to buy a van just to hold the equipment that we had to haul from that vehicle and onto the stage and do the wiring every single service. And at the end, we had to take it all back, put it back in the van and pray to God and his angels that the van would not be stolen from the public streets during the week. We did that for four years. Some of you guys know because you're the ones that were taking those big speakers in and out. Oh, it's fun to rent. Then we went and rented over here a couple of years. And we had to ask permission for what Saturday was free so we could do our special events. So, you know, we had to do the administrative thing. Oh, what wonder that was. How great that was. I remember in the school there were times we'd show up on a Sunday and they would say, oh, I'm sorry, the school can't be open today because we're doing something special. We're doing some construction. And why didn't you call me like one night before at least? So we'd have the service right in the street. Those of you that were with us understand and remember that. And, in, and in, my, in, my, in my heart, I'm going, I want to slap the person that didn't call me. <laughs> but I'd have to get up. Okay, people, let's praise God. Come on, right here in the center, right in the center of the street, let's praise God. Amen. Come on, worship leader, let's do it. We go a cappella today. But in my, in my heart, I'm going, I want to hit somebody. <laughs> I am teed off right now. This is irresponsible. Because I managed property for years and they would never allow me to do that. They'd fire me in a heartbeat. Somebody's incompetent. Somebody needs to pay for this. Anything government is going to be slow and bureaucratic. What a joy it was. But today we own our own building. Today we be the owners. And I don't care what you say. It's better to own than to rent. I don't care what you say. It's better to be in control and be able to dictate the agenda that needs to roll out. We could do greater things for God if we break out of our shells. We could do greater things for God if we stop blaming the system. Stop blaming the man. Stop blaming others. Stop being a blame shifter. Accept responsibility for your future and your destiny. God has a purpose for you. You need to catch it. You need to see it. You need to move into it. You need to activate it in this earth realm. And you need to say, here I am, Lord. Use me. Come on, somebody. Give him some praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'll, I'll read the rest of the verses. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. He'll give us a hundredfold return for anything we lose for the kingdom. Why would God say that? It was a bad thing. He greatly blessed Abraham. Jesus multiplies the fish and only 10 people ate. Thousands ate and there were 12 baskets left over. I'd like to know who took the baskets. Amen. Look at the catch that Jesus gave Peter. Peter, he, he actually fished all night the professional couldn't find a thing. But one word of the Lord suddenly shifted him into provision. Abundance. The seeds and trees have a promise of multiplication. Have a promise of an abundance. One time Dr. Miles Monroe said, what do I have in my hand? He had a seed. What do I have in my hand? Everybody said a seed. Okay, plant it. What do you get? If it's an apple tree, you get, what? I don't know, 100 seeds. Now what do I have in my hand? Well, you have 100 seeds. Well, plant them. What do you have? 10,000 to 100,000 trees. And how many apples on each tree? He says, what do I have? And he says, look at the seed. You have a potential forest. What do you dare to believe for? Yeah. 